Welcome to the Practice of Theology. My name is Tyler Kirkpatrick, and in addition to hosting this podcast, I serve as one of the pastors of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. The Practice of Theology exists to help the local church engage theology on a deeper level and learn how it applies to daily life. Today I'm talking with Carrie Fulmer about women thriving in the local church. Carrie lives in Dubai with her husband John, who serves as the senior pastor of the United Christian Church of Dubai. Carrie's passion is encouraging women to enjoy the scriptures. It's at UCCD where she lives out that passion through leading Bible studies and teaching women from every inhabited continent. Carrie is the author of The Good Portion and has written several inductive Bible studies for women. She also contributed to the book Word-Filled Women's Ministry and the ESV Women's Devotional Bible. To find out more about Carrie, you can check out thegoodportionbooks.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you're a woman, I hope it encourages you to engage and thrive in your local church. Carrie, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, and thanks for being with us. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's a pleasure, Tyler. Yeah, well, the topic is actually centered around a book you recently wrote called How Can Women Thrive in the Local Church? But before we get into the topic at hand, could you tell us how you came to know the Lord? Yeah, that's a good question to start with. Um, I, when I was just a child, I had a grandmother who really loved the Lord and she would tell me about Jesus and she would, um, tell me to ask him into my heart. And so at a very young age, I wanted him as my friend. And so I did ask him into my heart. Now, I don't know that I became a Christian then because I don't think I had really any understanding of sin um, and the Mm. need for repentance and really trusting in Christ. Um, I just kind of thought of Jesus as my friend. So um, I had a very up and down life as a Christian. I would always call myself a Christian. My father was not a Christian. My mother was a Christian. But they both lived very similar lifestyles, and so I didn't really see a difference. And so I would sometimes want to live a good life, and maybe my behavior would be a little bit better. But then I would think, oh, that's not a fun way to live, and I'd live a rebellious life. So it wasn't until really after college that I started hearing about the doctrines of grace and how God was sovereign over everything. And he created me for him and to glorify Mm. him. At that point, God stopped being sort of my Santa Claus that I would ask for things that I wanted. And I started Mm -hmm. thinking about living my life for him. So it could very much be at that point that I really became a Christian, or maybe I was just a very, a baby Christian who was very poorly taught. Right. Um, And then uh, the Lord, I'm so thankful the Lord, I I think of it as the Lord really rescuing me out of the slimy pit. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So praise God. I trust in Jesus now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I would assume that that's probably a similar testimony to a, to a lot of people. Um, I know it certainly echoes a lot of my testimony there. Okay, so in the book that we have just mentioned, How Can Women Thrive in the Local Church, you use the word thrive quite often. Not only is it in the title, you use that word throughout. What do you mean when you say thrive? 
I mean, when I say thrive, another word for it would be flourish. It means mm. embrace life with joy and grow. Yeah, that's helpful. I want people to have kind of a, an idea of what we're looking at in this conversation when we talk about women thriving in the local church, because when you think of thriving or flourishing, the world has a very different idea about what that means, especially flourishing is probably not as much of a cultural word as something like thrive. And so we want to be careful that we define things going forward. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. In the book, you encourage women to join a local church. So what are women looking for in a church and how can they know if they've come across the right one to join? That's a great question. And I do address that a little bit in the book. What we want to look for, I think often what we are looking for as women is some place where we can get a spiritual pick-me-up, right? Right. And I wouldn't dissuade women from looking for that, but I think we want a spiritual pick-me-up that causes us to grow, not just causes us to feel good that day. Mm. We want it to stay with us throughout the week. So I would say, look for expositional preaching, which means a pastor who preaches through books of the Bible, takes these texts, and the point of his sermon is actually the point of the passage. And mm. sermons like that um, will cause us to want to go home and read our Bibles more. Yeah, right. We'll want to dig more deeply into the text um, and mm -hmm. apply it to our lives. So I would say that that's the first thing to look for. Another thing to look for is the community of the church. Are people mm. plugged into the church? Are they committed to one another? Have other people joined the church? And is there a robust community that you can be a part of? And so those are kind of the main things that I would look for in a local church. Yeah, that's really helpful. And, and thank you for kind of helping us think through that. So how important is gathering with the local church? So maybe we have joined a church, we have found a good church, but how important is actually being there Sunday after Sunday or Wednesday or whenever the church is gathering? And a follow-up question, is one-on-one -on -one discipleship or Bible study an alternate option to gathering with the church? Yeah, great question. You know, when we're saved, when when Christians are made a part of God's family. It is a family. We're not mm. just individuals anymore, but we are part of the people of God. And so it's, you know, the word church in the New Testament, ecclesia, is a gathering. Yeah. And so it's vitally important that we gather together. Mm. Um, and each Sunday, I mean, we, we've got Hebrews, right, that tells us to not neglect gathering together. Yep. So we've got a command in scripture there that we're to gather together. And when, when we gather together, we are fed the word of God. We can discuss mm -hmm. what we've been fed with together with one another. We sing together. We sing songs and um, hymns to one another as well as just to God. Yeah, that's right. And there's a corporate sense. We're saved into a body of believers. So there's really no such thing as the Lone Ranger Christian who's a healthy mm. Christian. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's helpful. The reason I ask a question like that is because women are very busy today. Whether you are a working woman or you're a stay-at-home mom, uh, the 
the world just seems to get busier and busier. There are more things to do, more things to check off the list. And so as we're talking about the local gathering and prioritizing that, the question I would then have, is it fine to skip church on Sunday to get other important things done? The most important thing in our lives should be knowing God better. I mean, that's what we were actually created to do. Yeah. Um, so we were created to know him, glorify him, enjoy him. And so when we skip church on Sunday to do something else, we need to ask ourselves what's most important in our lives. Mm. And, um, you know, there there are so many reasons that women have for skipping church. I mean, it could be that we've got teenagers, or maybe I am a teenager and I've got a soccer game in the morning, yeah. or maybe my teenage son or daughter has a soccer game in the morning. But when we do that, we're sending other people the message that something else is more important than the God of the universe yeah. and our sisters and brothers in the church. So yeah. I would say, no, it's not okay to, to skip for other reasons. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I, and I think, you know, sometimes we are tempted to say, well, no, my, my family and my home is the most important thing in my life. And in an earthly sense, yes, I, I, I get that. And, and we all understand that taking care of our families, taking care of our homes, getting our homes in order, it's important. It's even biblical. But Jesus even tells his disciples, his followers, your family is me. You know, one of the things we have to be careful as parents or or just even other folks in the church, whether you're single or in a relationship, is that you are not communicating and teaching people by your actions, as you've said, that something else takes priority over the faith that you have in Christ that God has given you. So thank you for that. And I do think that, quite frankly, we just live in a very busy age where I think women in particular are um, made to feel bad if they don't look the part or if everything's not just in line. And so there is a temptation to skip church to get other things in order. And it's just not not helpful, not good, and not not healthy at all. Okay, so how can women use their singleness or their marriage to build up other women and the church at large? That's such a good question. And I was talking to a single woman about that um, just this morning, mm. actually. And I think that um, we do it by loving one another. We do it by showing mm. hospitality, whether we're single or whether we're married with children, without children. We bring others into our homes and show hospitality to one another. We open up our lives to them. You know, you were talking about sometimes uh, we as women want to have all of our ducks in a row or look perfect on the right. outside. We should just throw that attitude out and right. be transparent with one another. This we we grow when we show each other our struggles and even our sin. Um, when we yep, show each right. other our sin, then we can hold each other accountable. Um, I can hear from another woman. Well, here's how I deal with struggling with that temptation. Mm. Um, here's how I deal with that struggle, and. Um, and I can speak into her life also. So I think the the main way that we really help each other in the church is by locking arms, keeping each other accountable, speaking into each other's lives and loving one another and just spending time with one another. I mean, yeah. you you 
bring up a good point that our families are a priority in our lives. But, Mm. you know, Jesus said for those who give up their families and homes and other things for him, will get Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters and mothers a hundredfold. That's right. And uh, yeah, he says a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. So I think that Mm -hmm. those brothers and sisters and mothers And even fathers, if we think about elders in the church, those are that that's the description of the church. That's right. And Jesus is saying that your first allegiance actually ought not be your biological family. Your first allegiance ought to be the family of God. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's so good. And what a challenge to all of us. I'm thinking, man, do I do I do that? Is that the way that I live my life? Have I prioritized my life in that way? Yeah. And can I add, as mothers, the best thing that we can do for our kids is prioritize the church. Bring Mm -hmm. them along with us and bring them into the church, serve with them in the church, have the church Mm -hmm. into our home, spend time in other church members' homes. The more we commit to the church, the more our children are going to thrive because they're going to see that this is where I find my friends. This is where I find my family. This is where I find the word of God. And, um, and they're Mm -hmm. going to really grow. And then when they grow up and they go out of our homes, they are going to the first thing, go find a local church. Yeah, that's right. So we, um, you know, we have sent now three children out of our homes and each one of them, um, one of the first things we, we made sure when we moved them. Um, so we live in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. Mm-hmm. I should say that first. So we live thousands of miles away from where we've sent our kids back into America. Right. And so the first thing that we did was find healthy local churches where we could um, get our our kids to plug in. And sometimes there were several that they looked around at, but each of our kids have moved to the States and the church, their churches have become their families. Yeah. Literally their, their families away from their blood relatives. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Thanks for sharing that with us too. So as we're thinking about this family, are one-on-one discipleship relationships important for women? You, you hear a lot about discipleship. There's a lot of books written about discipleship. But exactly how important are those types of relationships for women in particular? I think they're vital for women. Um, if you think of single women who um, are, are maybe younger, um, having an older woman to speak into her life is vitally mm-hmm. important as she navigates through things like dating or just living as a single woman, uh, woman right. work situations, um, and and just her own sanctification, the sin that she deals with. She needs an older woman to speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with young married women and older single women. They need women to speak to. They need women to ask questions, um, study the Bible with. Right. My husband's a pastor. And when he was 
in seminary, I remember I just, I had these three little children and I could, um, I had a hard time getting through the days taking care of these kids. And right. an older woman um, came over to my house and she just said, I'm busy. I'm, I'm homeschooling uh, my daughter, but I'll just come over and we'll just talk about what we're reading in the Bible. And so she mm. discipled me over those years. And I still remember truths that, that we were able to talk about. And I'm still, she, I still reach out to her for help with questions that arise in my life. Mm, that's wonderful. And then I think that older women need these younger women too. Yeah. Sometimes they challenge us to look at things in our lives and, mm. um, and they have an excitement about what they're studying in the word and, um, and they can come into our homes and, when we're speaking to them about the things that we've learned, it makes those, it, it gets us even more excited about the truths um, that we've learned in life. Yeah. So I think we're, we're just so important to one another. That's right. Absolutely. So what should women expect from these relationships? Because I, I do think sometimes people can have unrealistic expectations. They can have expectations that aren't high enough. You even have things like, okay, well, this is so awkward. So obviously I shouldn't be doing this with this person, wh whatever. But what is a proper expectation to take into a one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationship? Um, that's a good question. I think they can all be different. Mm. And some relationships will get much closer than others. Sometimes you're, it's true that our personalities don't mesh as much. Right. And so it may be that you're studying a book of the Bible with a woman um, or you're study, reading through a book with her and you're getting most of your input from that book or the, the book of the Bible. Um, maybe you're not spending as much time in each other's homes because you don't just naturally, um, your personalities don't mesh together. Um, and mm -hmm. then there will be other times where you become really close to someone who you can spend time with each other's families. You, um, you really enjoy relationship with one another. And then you can learn even more from women like that. You can learn how to take care of your yeah. children. Um, we learn so much by observing. This is why Paul said, imitate me, right? As I imitate Christ. We, yeah, we learn right. a lot um, by imitating uh, one another. And you don't have to, you know, if you get into a discipling relationship where you figure out, well, I don't think that this is going to go much deeper than this then you can um, lovingly go get other discipling from other women. Or um, if yeah. you're an older woman discipling the younger woman, you can just disciple for a short period of time, one woman, and then um, move on to another woman. Yeah. So they can look very different. I think that sometimes women think their discipling relationships have to look just like men's. And men tend to you know, they're at the workplace and they go out to lunch um, and maybe read a book together. Um, mm -hmm. Well, sometimes our discipling relationships look like an older woman cooking dinner and the younger woman sitting in her kitchen asking her questions about yeah. 
why she just disciplined her child that way. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, how she loves her husband when she feels irritated with him. Um, mm -hmm. So these relationships can look very different. Maybe the the younger woman comes into to the home and babysits the kids for an hour um, after they meet and read a chapter of the Bible together. So yeah, you can do all. There's a huge variety when you're talking about discipling. Right. So is there a common goal in discipleship? Is, the, is there one thing that women are looking for in a relationship like this? Yes. I think the common goal is spurring us on toward growth in the Christian life. Yeah, amen. Pointing each other to Jesus. And this goes for the older woman and the younger woman. Uh, I think the younger woman should go into it with the goal of spurring on that older woman and pointing her to mm. Christ also. So um, it's mutual edification and um, the gospel should always be um, prevalent in our, in our speech toward one another and our discipling. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. So in your book, you tell women to look for needs and meet them. So to, to help me understand that, do you mean needs that a woman feels are within her areas of strength? So if a, if a woman says, oh, this is where I'm really well equipped, these are the things I'm to be looking for. Is, is that what you mean? Well, I do think that there's an element of what do you enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. But I think first, I think we look for two things when we're looking for areas to serve in the church or when we're trying to figure out, you know, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of spiritual gift inventories. Um, I think that right. we should look for a need in the church and look for joy in filling that that need. So, yeah, um, amen. amen. I don't think that that the Lord wants us to torture ourselves and for someone who's not very organized to organize the uh, ladies' brunch um, yeah. or something like that because there's a need for that. Um, on the other hand, sometimes there will be needs like maybe, maybe I don't enjoy little children, but my church needs somebody to serve in the nursery. Well, I think yeah. I can do that. I'm physically able to do it. I'll just go ahead and do that. So mm. I don't think everything that we do in the church has to be absolute joy, but I do think that we should look for places where we can serve and that we really enjoy serving. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for that response. I obviously have read that portion of your book. And so I asked it in such a way, but I just kind of feel indicted as well. Yes, there are certain things that God has equipped and gifted me to do and, and things that quite frankly, he has called me to do that I must do as a pastor. But there are a lot of things that I think, well, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it could be little things as, as simple as picking up chairs after a midweek fellowship or any number of ways. I, I just so appreciated that portion of your book and, and kind of the admonishment and thinking, hey, if there's a need and you're able, fill it if you can. I, I, um, I remember I had a conversation with Tom Schreiner on spiritual gifts, and we actually talked about spiritual inventories. And I remember doing one in college. And I remember then thinking, this really honestly just doesn't seem that helpful to me. <laughs> it's kind of what I feel happening is that this is just taking all of the ways in which I air quotes know myself mm -hmm. 
and basically putting those on paper. And now you have this product of what I think I should do. And so I think sometimes they can be a little deceiving, maybe helpful at times, but they're really me oriented, aren't they? Well, yes, so, absolutely. Yes. God gives us gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us all gifts. What are those gifts for? They're actually to serve the church. Um, yes. And they're not to serve us as individuals. So in the book, I tell the story mm. about how I was asked to serve in the nursery when I was a single woman. I was working on Capitol Hill. I was like, I don't know how to take care of babies. When I had my first child, <laughs> I had to ask for help in knowing how to change her diaper. I mean, that's that's about the level that I was. And um, yep. so, so I had no desire to serve in the nursery, but I thought, why would I not serve in the nursery? And, um, yeah. and it turned out to be a joy. It turns out to be really fun um, taking care of these babies. I can tell some funny stories. But, um, <laughs> but then also when I became a mom, I realized, oh, how thankful I was for these, these young people who don't necessarily have any kids who still serve in the mm. nursery so that I can sit in church and be fed the word because I needed it. Amen. So. Yeah, amen. You know, and and the other positive of that, going back to this idea of the local church being a family is, you know, if you're always serving in the place you feel most comfortable, you're likely going to rub shoulders with the same people. Mm -hmm. And when you go outside of the things that make you comfortable, you expose yourself to a larger portion of the church. And that's so important. Um, and, and those types of things, those types of outlets provide you with that where you may otherwise not receive it. Yeah. Okay, so I know a lot of women in our church in particular and in almost every church that I've ever been in who love to serve others. I mean, it, it, is, it is their love language, their spiritual gift, whatever you want to call it, is just service. They love to serve, whether it's caring for you, providing you with food, being behind the scenes, just a lot of serving, a lot of pouring out. But my question is this, is there a danger in serving the church too much? Yes. And I love those women. As a pastor's wife, um, I you know, have this bird's eye view and I see how the church could not function without people um, loving the church in, in those ways. Um, That's right. But I do think there's a danger in too much serving. In too much serving you can lose what you're really there for. Um, and it's so important to sit under the preaching of God's word. Um, so, you know, we, we have had over the years, sometimes people serving children and they're serving twice a month or sometimes even three times a month because maybe somebody else doesn't show up. And yeah. they're known as servant hearted. So, you know, somebody in the church just grabs them to serve in nursery. But those people can become spiritually anemic when they're not sitting yeah. under the preaching of God's word. And they're missing so much of the, the body of the church. So everybody else is talking about the sermons that they've heard and visiting with each other after the service mm -hmm. and speaking the word of God to one another. Um, and they're missing out on all of that. Yeah. It can also be a place where women um, or men can hide 
um, from the word of God. So you don't have to be challenged. Yeah, that's right. Like the word, Mm. you know, when you're sitting under preaching, you should be convicted sometimes um, as well as built up. So it can be a place where you can hide and and someone can get anorexic if they're serving all the time and they're not sitting under the preaching of God's word. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, that illustration becoming anorexic. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, I could even imagine a way in which Satan would use something that is good for your harm, right? It's, it's almost like a bait and switch, like serve, 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 knowing that your attention is being placed elsewhere. And so, yeah, that's, that's really helpful for us to think about. Okay, so what does it mean to be a spiritual mother and sister in the family of God? And can any woman take up these roles? Absolutely. If you are a member of your local church, you're a sister to everyone in the church, and you are a mother Mm -hmm. to some, um, and then you're a daughter to some. Right. And I think what that means is that we love each other in those ways. So sisters speak spiritual encouragement to their brothers and sisters, right? Mm. And mothers teach the younger, um, their younger daughters, um, and they speak the word to them. And, um, and mothers sometimes um, speak to their younger brothers, right? Or their, their sons. So I have sons in, in the church, not that I stand up and preach to, but um, sometimes I speak into young men's lives and give them advice, especially when they're dealing right. with dating or their wives um, are struggling. Yep. Um, so I'm a mother to many in the church and, and then daughters. Daughters look to learn from their mothers and elders in the church and other sisters, mm. older sisters. Um, and brothers. So um, I think what what those words really mean are that we're committed to one another in the church, that I see people and I want their spiritual good. I want them to thrive. Um, mm. And so it's it's a real commitment to others in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So when we think about this idea of thriving, kind of circling back to the beginning, is is this something, you know, we've had multiple questions here. We've talked about a lot of different areas that this happens and a lot of different ways that this happens. Is is this thriving something that happens quickly? Does it take time? Is it a lifelong pursuit? Uh, what, what can women expect as they implement these things? Um, I think that what they can expect is a lifelong pursuit. That was a good way to put it. It's a lifelong pursuit of God himself. So Mm. we want to know him better and better. We want to do that daily. We want to know him through his word. So like like Mary, we want to sit at the feet of Jesus and we do that through his word, right? That's him speaking Mm. directly to us. He tells us who we are, who he is, and what he's done for us and how we can live this life in in a way where we can flourish. Um, So I think Mm. that this is a lifelong pursuit and it'll go in um, fits and starts. Um, Sometimes it will seem like slow growth and then other times will uh, grow 
in what seems like a very quick way will will grow mm-hmm. much deeper roots. Yeah. And the goal is to just to have a trajectory in our life that is one of growth. Um, so yeah. like I said, sometimes we'll plateau. That's when we need to push further into the church and we need to talk to people in the church and we need to be be sitting under the preaching, trying to get something out of every word of the scripture. Um, when we hit those plateaus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. With the final question here, what encouragement would you give to a woman who feels disconnected at her church, member and non-member? Okay. Well, that's why I wrote the book. That's why Nine Marks asked me to write mm-hmm. this book, because we we want these women who do feel disconnected to press into the church. And yeah. so l- let's take the, the woman who's not... Um, a member of the church first. Right. She needs to realize that the Lord has saved her into a, a body um, and that you you can't walk the Christian life alone and that she will find much joy in the Christian life if she plugs in with other believers and yeah. commits to other believers and joins the church. And when she joins the church, she's going to um, see many doors open to her for relationships, you know, with older women, with families, with younger women, with children um, who are in the church. And she's, she's going to see those doors open to her. Yeah. And, um, and she's going to have a real family, a community to come alongside. Yeah, that's her. right. Um, and so if I would counsel, if there's a particular reason Maybe a woman has been hurt um, by someone in the church before, or yeah. maybe she's just never really seen this modeled. I know that was me. I grew up sometimes going to church, sometimes not going to church. And, and right. sometimes um, my mom would take us, and, but she was never a member of a local church that, that I know of. Um, and so there was always a bit of a distance um, for us. So I didn't see it modeled. So one day I was I had been attending a church for about three months and the pastor met me at the door and said, hey, you you come on su- Sunday mornings and you're here Sunday nights and Wednesday night for Bible study. Why don't you join the church? And I said, oh, OK, because <laughs> I had just never it had never occurred to me that I needed to yeah. be a member of a church. And then right. I joined the church and I just, I had family then. And there were older mm. women who I was getting to know. Um, I met my husband there. And as we were getting married, these older couples were taking care of us and teaching us what it meant to be married. So there's just a wonderful way of the church coming around people when when you join yeah. the church and commit to the church yeah. and you're being prayed for. And then for women who are kind of on the fringes of the church, right? sometimes that can be because we're holding back and we want others to approach us. Um, and we want others to invite us in. And I would just counsel women who are kind of on the fringes, or if you're feeling like you don't have good relationships in the church, approach other people. Make sure you're meeting another person every Sunday. 
make sure you're going to people and asking them about their lives. Um, it'll go a long way to just ask a few questions um, of other people and, um, and then talk to somebody. If you feel like, okay, I've been doing this for a while, I've been really trying to make relationships and I've been other focused, then go talk to the, the pastor or one of the elders or maybe an older woman in the church who you notice is very plugged into the church and tell her mm -hmm. that you really want good friendships in the church. And I'm right. sure that you'll find help there. Yeah. Other things you can do is if your church has a women's Bible study, go to the women's Bible study or grab a book yourself, grab a good book and ask some women to read it with you. Yeah. You could do that. There's a series put out by Christian Focus Publications. It's called The Good Portion. And I wrote the first book. It's called The Good Portion Scripture. And it's really a book to encourage women to delight in the scriptures, not just mm. see them as a duty to read them every day, but to really enjoy your time with the Lord in the scriptures. Yeah. yeah. And kind of we do that by understanding what the scriptures are, that it, they're God speaking his word to us. Yeah, amen. Um, that they're meant to be about relationship with him. And then we have, we, we will have, Lord willing, nine other books for a total of 10. And these are all on different doctrines of the Christian faith. Right now, we've got the one on God out, the one on salvation out and Christ. And the one on the mm. church is coming out in March. Oh, and great. these books are really written by women for women to get them to really delight in the doctrines of God. Oh, that's wonderful. So grab one of those books yeah, and grab a few other women in your church who you want to get to know and read them with them. They've got questions at the end of every chapter and you can read books together. And that's when you're really going to get to know yeah. each other when you're either studying the scriptures or studying a good book about the scriptures. Yep. You're gonna get to know each other in a much deeper way. Yeah, absolutely. And grab How Can Women Thrive in the Local Church and read that. And uh, I'm sure that it will be a blessing to you, as was this conversation to me. So, Carrie, thank you so much for joining me. It really was great to talk about these things and to hear from you and to hear your insights. And I pray and trust that it will be encouraging to women as they seek to engage and become more connected in their local church. Thank you so much, Tyler. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can help others find and be encouraged by this content by leaving a rating and review wherever you're listening.